of the jewel actually covered him and everyone thought that Surya Dev has come, Sun God has come. So they went and reported to Krishna that Surya Dev has come to see you. Krishna at that time was playing dice. He said, no, it's not Surya it's Satrajit. He got this jewel, Samantaka jewel, and because he is wearing that jewel, he is appearing to be like Sun God. And that jewel had some very special characteristic. That jewel, every night, it used to produce something like, something like, one ton of gold every day it used to produce by itself. Satrajit came, kept that jewel in the temple room and worshipping it. Great respect. So one day Krishna told Satrajit that look, the best of the things should go to the king, the principal king. So now that you have the jewel, offer it to King Bukrasan because he's the king. Satrajit did not comply to that request or suggestion of Krishna. Then one day Satrajit's brother, Prashen, Wearing the jewel, went to the forest to hunt. And one lion attacked him, killed him. And Satrajit suspected that Krishna killed him and took the jewel away from him. 
because Krishna proposed that this, he wanted that jewel for King Ugrasen. So although he did not openly broadcast that, but he expressed his doubt to some people and they kind of, it just, that rumor spread that Krishna killed Prashant being greedy about that jewel. So, when Krishna heard that, he was very upset. So he uh, wanted to free himself from that unnecessary blame, unjustified blame. So he went to the forest, uh, surrounded by with some of his associates and he following the track he came and found the dead horse and the dead body of Prashant. And then he could see the footprints of a lion. So he could understand that it was a lion that has killed Prashant. And then, he, following the track, he found that it seemed that the lion was fighting with some other animal. And then he found the dead. There he found the dead body of that lion. And following the other footprint, he came to a cave. And he kept his other associates outside the cave and said, let me go. So he went inside the cave and he found that a little boy is playing with the Samantaka jewel. That such a precious jewel has become a plaything of a little boy. So he wanted to take that terabyte. I'll give you some candies. <laughs> now seeing that strange person there, the nurse of the boy started to shout. And then the father of the boy just came running. And who was the father? Jambu. Father was Jambuvananda. So he immediately challenged Krishna said, look, I just, I don't want to cause any harm. I just came here because of this jewel I want to take. So then the Yabhavad would listen, he attacked him and they started to fight. A terrible fight. First they started to fight with some weapons. Then when the weapons got broken, and so they finally started to fight with bare hands. And no one could defeat each other. The fight went on for 28 days. And Jambavan, he used to every day do some worship of Lord Ramchandra. So that day he didn't have any flower or 
Tulasi. So he picked up some uh, weeds, some moss, and he offered that moss to Lagrange. Then when he came to fight, then he found that this moss was sitting on Krishna's feet. So then it occurred to him, oh, so this is my Lord who I'm fighting. And so he was very repentant. He fell at his feet. He said, my Lord, sorry I didn't recognize you. You are the Supreme Personality of God. So any, who can ever fight with you and win? The way I could defeat you, I was starting to suspect that you must be someone unusual. And I know your prowess. Single-handedly, you can create this whole universe and you can destroy this. But simply out of your playing your pastimes, just to give pleasure to your devotees, you perform your pastimes. You make you appear to be, you act like an ordinary human being. But your potency is inconceivable. I have seen how you tamed the mountain. I have seen how you conquered the ocean. I have seen how you built a bridge across the ocean in just a few days. So it's a pity that I could recognize you and I thought that you were my enemy, whereas I am your humble servant and I fought with you. So in this way, Jambavan offered his prayers to Krishna and Krishna also specified Jambavan. Don't worry Jambavan, you are my eternal servant, you are my dear most devotee. And it is due to Jogamaya's influence that sometimes my devotees also fail to recognize me. And that activity actually becomes uh, my wonderful pastimes for the pleasure of my devotees. So then he said actually, you know, this King Satrayit spread a rumor that I have stolen that jewel. That's why just to free myself from that unfortunate blame, I came to rescue this jewel and I eventually came here. So then Jambavan offered his young daughter, Jambavati, and as a dowry, he offered the Samantaka jewel to Krishna. In the meantime, <clears throat> all those who were waiting for Krishna, they waited for 12 days. And after 12 days, when Krishna didn't come out, they would return to Dwarka and give the news. They expected that something unfortunate had happened. So everyone was extremely sad and worried. Rukmini was crying, Mother Devaki was crying, 
and all the citizens started to offer prayers to Devi. They went to the Devi temple and offered that you fulfill everyone's desire. So please bring Krishna back. So then Devi manifested herself and he said, yes, don't worry. Your Lord is also my Lord. Nothing can ever happen to him. But sometimes he may perform his pastimes in such a way that it may appear that he left, he died. But this is not the case now at least. He is going to come back. And right at that time Krishna arrived there. And everybody started to thank Devi. It's because of your blessings that you got our Krishna back. And this time Krishna back came back uh, with his new bride, <laughs> Jambavati. And so then after that, Satrajit, uh, and Krishna called Satrajit. That here is your jewel. I simply wanted to free myself from this unfortunate <coughs> scandal that you spread in my name. So don't you ever do things like that. Unless and until you're 100% sure about something, don't spread such rumors. So Satrajit took the jewel and went home. Then he started to think it has been good to create that animosity with Krishna. After all, he is very powerful. <laughs> and so then Satrajit developed an idea that I have a very beautiful daughter. Satyabhava. So maybe I should make an alliance with Krishna by offering my daughter to him. So he made that proposal and Krishna said, fine. <laughs> Satyajit also offered his daughter and the Samantaka jewel to Krishna. Krishna said, no, I won't take the Samantaka jewel. You take it. You keep it. So this is how Krishna got married to his third wife. Rukmini, then Chambhavati, Deva, Sattvam. Krishna <clears throat> once went to Indraprastha to meet the Pandavas. So he met the Pandavas and offered obeisances to Yudhishthir and Bhima. He embraced Arjun and Nakul and Sahadev offered obeisances to him. Then Draupadi came, she also offered obeisances to Krishna. Krishna spent his time with his very intimate cousins, Pandavas. And Kunti spoke to 
Krishna about the distresses that they had gone through all these years. And then Krishna and Arjun one day went out hunting in the forest. And after hunting, becoming tired, they came to the bank of Jamuna. So they were sitting there, chit-chatting. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, they saw a beautiful girl on the walking by the bank of the Jamuna. So Krishna says, strange, in such a solitary place, such a beautiful girl. Arjun, go and find out who she is. <laughs> so Arjun went and asked, uh, who are you, beautiful lady? Whose daughter are you? And what are you doing here? So she said, my name is Kalindi. I am the daughter of Sun God, Sujade. I want to get the Lord, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, as my husband. And that's why I am here performing this austerity. My father built a mansion for me under the river, Jamuna. So I stay there. So, <clears throat> Arjun went and reported to Krishna. And Krishna said, okay, if she's waiting for me, I'm here. <laughs> so, Arjun went and told her, the personality for whom you have been waiting, now he is waiting for you. So then Krishna, Arjun brought Kalindi to Krishna and this is how Krishna got married to the fourth wife, Kalindi. There were two very powerful personalities. They were the princes of Avanti, present day Ujjaini. But unfortunately, they were friends of Duryodhana and followers of Duryodhana. And they had a beautiful sister. Her name was Mitravinda. So, as a Kshatriya princess would sometimes have a Swayambara, they would select their, they would select their own husband. Yeah, in Vedic culture, uh, selecting one's own husband also was allowed. <laughs> Not that always the parents would make the arrangements. So that freedom was there, especially for the Kshatriya princesses. So, <clears throat> Mitravinda decided to have Sayambara 
and Binda and Anubinda told, fine, you can have your Swayambara. But one condition, not Krishna. <laughs> she didn't say anything because in her heart she already accepted Krishna as her husband. Or she wished that Krishna would be there and she would be able to accept him. And so upon hearing uh, that Mitra Vinda wanted to select her own husband. All the king, especially Binda Anuvinda's friends, uh, like Duryodhan, Jarasandha, uh, Shalva, Shishupal, Dantavakra, Biduratha, uh, so they all came with their full grandeur, with their entourage and army. And whenever they would see that there is some beautiful girl getting married, they would be worried that this guy <laughs> probably will come. And, and they would say that this character, he learned how to steal from his childhood. <laughs> when he was a little child, he was stealing butter. Then when he grew up, he started to steal the young girl's clothes. <laughs> and then, he has some mystic power. He steals the heart of all the girls. And now he is stealing all the princesses, wherever there is a beautiful person, beautiful princess, uh, like they experienced with Rukmini and others. So, so then, <clears throat> so they were very worried because they saw previously what happened with Rukmini. So this time they are very, very cautious. And they thought that not only we would confront him right there, on his way back also, we will attack him. So that, like, and even if it is defeated in right battlefield, right battle right there, but later on we'll have our army together and attack him on his way, when he'd be going back to his kingdom. And so, Krishna just happened, came, just came there, hearing. After all, he got to know, he got to know that Mitravinda wanted to select him as the husband. As the super soul, Krishna knows everyone's heart. Therefore, when a devotee wants to offer himself or herself to him, Krishna is always there to accept. No matter how much is the impediment into that union. So, <clears throat> a big arrangement was made, all the kings kind of 
sight, with their displaying their glory. And Krishna also was there. But although they were displaying, they were all handsome people, beautiful body, opulent, displaying their opulence. But in presence of Krishna, they all look like twinkle, twinkle, little stars <laughs> next to the moon. <laughs> so, and naturally, Mitravinda walked straight up to Krishna and offered the garments to him. And as she did that, all the other kings surrounded them. Even her brother, two brothers were also against this happening. But anybody can well imagine uh, what happened to the Supreme Person when somebody attacks the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The Lord plays with them for a while. Just to just to have fun. Just as sometimes the cat, before killing the mouse, plays with it, uh, lets the mouse uh, And similarly, Krishna played with the kings for a while and then defeated them. So all these kings ran away. And they had this plan, they had decided to attack Krishna on the way when he would be going with the full contingency. So <clears throat> they attacked Krishna on the way and a terrible fight ensued. But Krishna defeated them all. Most of the soldiers were killed and Krishna spared some of them, especially the chief ones like Jarasandha, Shalvar, Shishupal, Dantavakra, Viduratha. Because Krishna wanted to play with them for a little longer, just as the mouse lets the cat go. And the cat stayed, I'm sorry, the cat lets the mouse go. And the mouse tries to run away, but then what happens? He grabs it again. So in this way Krishna, got married to his next princess. What's her name? Mitra Vindava. There was another very powerful king and his daughter was, her name was Satya. And she was also extremely beautiful. And the king actually wanted that he should, she should get married to Krishna. So this king Nagnajit made an arrangement because of that. That is that this daughter is unusual. So she must get married to someone extraordinary. And the condition he made was he had seven ferocious bulls. Mm -hmm. 
they were extremely ferocious. Like no one could go near them. And she, he made a condition that anyone who would be able to bind these seven bulls in a single-handed battle would be able to win Nagmajiti or Satya. So <clears throat> the arrangement was made and I mean was one day Krishna came and Nagmajit actually Krishna expressed his desire that I heard he have a daughter and I would like to marry her. For Kshatriya, it is all right. <laughs> so he said, yes, Krishna, I also want you to be my No, I'm sorry. Krishna happened to just come to the palace as a guest. And King told him that, look, I want you to get married to my daughter. But I have this condition. So Krishna said, fine, well, I'll give it a try. <laughs> since you want me to marry your daughter, and since that's the condition. So then uh, Krishna went. And this, actually so many other kings had come before. And in that uh, arrangement, many of them gave up their lives. Many of them broke their bones and became deformed and went back to their respective places. So Krishna went into the arena and the seven bulls were let loose and they all attacked Krishna simultaneously. But what did Krishna do? Krishna expanded himself into seven Krishnas. Was it difficult for Krishna to do? If Krishna could expand himself into 64,000 Krishnas to dance with the gopis, 16,000 gopis, is it difficult for Krishna to expand into seven? Or is it difficult for Krishna to expand himself into 16,000. Actually, Krishna he is, is present in everyone's heart. How many living entities are there? So Krishna already expanded into that many forms. So, <clears throat> and Krishna very easily tamed all those bulls, put a ring on their nose, <laughs> tied them with a rope and bring, brought those seven bulls like seven toys <laughs> and gave it to King Nagmajit. And Nagmajit offered his daughter uh, Satya to Krishna. So in this way Krishna got married to the, how many? Six. Okay. And there was another girl in, she was the daughter of the king 
of Madras, Madhuraj. And many cares you like you see the prince the beautiful princess's glory would spread everywhere. And people would want especially the king and the princess would want them to want to marry them. So uh, Krishna said many kings came to Lakshmana to marry in her wedding, in her Sayambara wedding. So she accepted Krishna as her husband. So in this way uh, Krishna got married to his principal queens and the eighth one is Bhadra. Yeah. So <clears throat> that's also another princess that Krishna got married to. So this way Krishna got married to eight principal queens. Then there was a demon called Narakasura. Narakasura was actually the son of Bhudevi, Mother Earth. So, and his father was actually Barahadeva. He's a very powerful personality. And somehow the mother knew that that the son will become a notorious character and the Lord may kill him. Therefore she had an agreement, she appealed, she requested Barahadev that please, if you have to kill him, then do it with my permission, with my approval. So Narakashu became so tyrannical. His kingdom was Prague Jyotishpur, that is today's Assam. And he was extremely powerful and extremely wicked. And they're all actually falling in the same line with Duryodhana, Jarasandha in that group, and they are all against Krishna. So when Krishna went to fight with Narakasura, the many kings actually reported to him that that this Narakasura has become so terrible. So and the demigods appealed to Krishna, please get rid of him, please kill him. So when Krishna went to fight with Narakasura, he took Sattubhava with him. And so a terrible fight ensued, like both of them were displaying equal kind of prowess. And so at one time it seemed that Krishna was losing. <coughs> 
So out of sheer anxiety, Satubhama cried out, Kill him, kill him. My Lord, don't, don't allow any more onslaught upon you. Already my, I am in total anxiety. My life here is practically on my throat. Any moment it can leave my body. So please relieve me from this anxiety. And at that time, Krishna killed him. Why did Krishna take Sattvabhama? Because Sattvabhama's expansion is Bhūdevi. Mother Earth is an expansion of Sattvabhama. So in this way, Krishna got... Now, after when he killed Narakasura, Narakasura actually had 16,000 princes in captivity. So when Krishna released them, all these princesses, so they fell at his feet and said, look, no one is going to marry us because our reputation has been blemished. We have been imprisoned by this demon and everyone will consider that we are contaminating and no one will marry, her, marry us. Now you are the shelter of the destitute. You are the only shelter of those who are completely helpless and hopeless. So please accept us. So that is how Krishna accepted this 16,000 princesses. And this is how Krishna got married to 16,000. Actually, it was 16,100. So, 16,108 queens. Now, who are these queens again? These queens are the gopis from the when Krishna expands, uh, Krishna's potency, Krishna's concepts also expand. When Krishna expands as Vasudeva in Dwarka, the gopis expanded. 16,000 gopis expanded into the 16,000 queens. Out of them, eight gopis who are actually the principal gopis, they became the principal queens. Radharani became Satvabhama, Chandravali became Rukmini. So this is how Krishna got married to 16,108. Okay, so now I'll invite questions. The question answer sessions to be quite enlightening and interesting. Yes, Ramarani. Take the mic. This is really 
last class. Kunamaraj in Vrindavan, Radharani is the principal gopi, but then in Dwarka, Rukmini is the principal wife. Can you explain why? <coughs> you see, why the feedback? The Vrindavan is the place of love. Therefore, in Vrindavan, emotion is prominent. Whereas in Dwarka is the capital, there the, in that royal exchange, intelligence is prominent. Right? So emotion, therefore, is secondary, and intelligence became predominant. So Chandravali, therefore, is uh, Rukmini, the predominant uh, consort, and emotion, Sattvabhama, Radharani, is taking a back seat there. Chandravali uses her intellect to attract Krishna and Radharani her emotion. Yeah, right. Yeah. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Um, this question was actually asked to me by my daughter but I didn't have the answer. Uh, we are South Indians and we celebrate Narka Chaturdasi. So, Narka Chaturdasi as Diwali. Oh. We, we celebrate that aspect. So last year I was, so we get up in the twilight at 3 o'clock in the morning because it's a, it's a, it's a belief that Mother Ganges, after, after the birth of Narkashura, Mother Ganges came and cleansed the whole earth. So it's a belief in South India that on that day Mother Ganga comes, so we have to get up that morning early and we take bath and we light crackers at that time. So I was telling her the principal difference. And she had this question that, how come, Amma, that Narkasur, how come is born to Mother Earth, who is Mother, and Varahadev, who is Lord Vishnu himself, how can they give birth to an Asur? And I didn't have an answer for that. Well, I also didn't really think of it. I just took it for granted. <laughs> like, no, my main consideration was that these are all the Lord's pastimes. And through these pastimes, he also points out that sometimes, you know, like a great personality's son can develop opposite characters. Just like Prahlad Maharaj. His son Virochan became a demon. But Virochan's son Bali became a devotee. So, yeah. Narakasura, but there must be some reason. I'll, I'll check it. Why Narakasura became a demon? Actually, that's one thing about the scriptures. You know, there is a re reason behind it. So I'll check it, let me see if I can find it. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah.
that also reminds me, okay, I'll come to that afterward. Who asked me about Kuvalaya Pira yesterday? You did it, okay. I'll speak to you afterwards. Yes, Maharaj, you mentioned that Rukmini was extremely beautiful, and it's always described that she's always, that she's also very, extremely qualified. So the that qualification is are those um, female qualities or are they devotional? Uh, can you can you explain? Okay, yeah, the qualities are, you know, the basic. Generally, when it says qualify, qualify, these qualities are generally basic human qualities. Yeah. You know affectionate, merciful, uh, respectful, dutiful. Now these are the uh, natural feminine qualities. Hospitable, kind, right? And, you know, human beings are meant to develop these qualities. A great personality is endowed with all these qualities. That's what makes it great. Thank you. Yes. Hare Krishna, Maharaj. My question is from yesterday's class. You mentioned about the, the three different kinds of devotees, third class, second class, and first class. How a third class devotee can get the second class and how the second class can get the first class? Okay. <clears throat> Do you remember the definition? Yes. What is the first? Who is the third class devotee? The third class is one who chants Hare Krishna. Uh, the second one is one chants Hare Krishna constantly, and the first one is when someone look at him or her, he just feels inspired to chant. And the third one, I don't remember. No, no, that's it. That's it. Third class devotee is one who chants, but not all the time. So as you asked, how a third class devotee can become a second class. Yes. So you tell me how? Like chanting, chanting the holy name constantly? Yeah. All the time? Yeah. <laughs> and the second to the third. And second to third. And that is by chanting Hare Krishna, when one becomes so pure, that just by seeing him, others keep on chanting. And he develops his is characteristic also that uh, first as devotee, you see, another way of looking at it, third class, second class, first class. The third class devotee is he who believes in Krishna and worships him respectfully and thinks that he is the only devotee. Right? Second class devotee is he 
who has love for Krishna, who recognizes the devotees, and he he has friendship. He knows who is innocent and has compassion for them. And those who are offenders, he avoids them. That's a second class devotee. The main thing is, a second class devotee is he who recognizes other devotees. Third class devotee doesn't recognize the devotee. He thinks he's the only devotee. And the first class devotee is he who thinks that everyone else is a pure devotee, only he could become a devotee. <coughs> so that is <laughs> the progressive uh, development. Thank you, Maharaj. Yeah. Thank you so much. Jabawan was uh, king of the bears. Uh -huh. Jabawan. Yeah. He was the king of the bears, right? Yeah. In, in Lord Brown's pastime. So, my question is Krishna got married to his daughter, so was she a bear or was she a Yeah. <coughs> Actually, this Jambavati. Good question. Good question. <laughs> Jambavati, he found her. It was she was not his daughter. So happened the Vishakha, when Krishna left, she also left her body. And she came as Jambavati. Thank you so much for the wonderful explanation. Thank you for the class. My question is, um, what can one do if if one person doesn't get the opportunity to serve in terms of a particular service that they want to do? And how should one approach this and deal with the situation? Because obviously we don't want to commit any offence against any of the devotees. Service? Tell me what's the most important and the best service. Good. Can anyone stop you from doing that? Then, what's the problem? As Prabhupada would say, what's the difficulty? So, it is not that, you know, like, in order to serve, we have to have a big, special arrangement and big special recognition. No. Our main service is to, in this age specially, is to chant the Holy Name of the Lord. And as I said, can anyone stop you from doing that? Even if somebody tries to stop you. Sometimes it happens. Parents don't like the sons and daughters to chant. Okay. Lock up the room. That's why you are. Yes, sir. Thank you very much.
remarks yesterday, you said that um, uh, to spread the Krishna consciousness movement, if we, um, like, we're all still very much um, attached to our families, and uh, that's why uh, we need more, uh, like, when we become Ram Prastas and Sannyasis, I suppose that's what we need. Then it, there will be again more um, devotees free to very actively preach. Or well, my question is, um, what would be what would be required really to speed up the preaching of Krishna consciousness, the spreading of of this movement? You see, the most important factor for preaching is compassion. It's not that we, I mean, of course, the first consideration is that we do it with a sense of duty. Oh, I have to do it. I have to go out and preach. Or uh, it, is, it is expected out of me that I go out and preach. But the most important factor behind that is compassion. Then only our preaching will be effective. People need that. That's why we have to do it. Just like a doctor. He treats a patient because he sees that the person is suffering. So he tries to relieve him from that suffering condition. Now can you imagine like how a devotee sees how the people are suffering? Like in that respect, I uh, remember one incident, one godbrother of mine told me. Prabhupada was in Australia, in Adelaide. And it was a bright sunny morning, Sunday morning. He was driving the car, Prabhupada was in the back seat. And he was thinking, oh, such a beautiful day, and he was looking at the people, looked like everybody is enjoying so much. In a sunny summer morning, you know, Sunday morning, everybody is in such a joyful mood. And then he saw in the rearview mirror Srila Prabhupada, and he saw tears from Prabhupada's eyes. And then it occurred to him that when he was thinking that everybody else is enjoying so much, Prabhupada is seeing how they are suffering. And due to their illusion, they are not aware of that suffering condition. They are completely, completely oblivious of their suffering condition. So from that actually we get to see like, what is the mood of a pure devotee. Again, we can consider why did Prabhupada have to go to America at the age of 17? No money, didn't know anybody. Can you imagine how uncertain it was? Like, why did Prabhupada do that? When he had such a wonderful situation. He had his room in Radhadamada temple, just next to Rupa Goswami Samadhi. You know, what can be a better situation than that for a devotee? In Vrindavan. And I'm, I tell you, Vrindavan, those days were very different from Vrindavan mm -hmm. today. 
Vrindavan today has become a big marketplace. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I have seen Vrindavan in the early time in, in 76, 77. It's so different. Near our temple there is nothing. Next to Krishna Balaram temple there is nothing. All empty field. And the market was there, that was there, that narrow streets and you know, not very clean and all that. But general mood of Vrindavan was very different. Hardly anybody used to go to Vrindavan those days. Now just consider Prabhupada's situation in Vrindavan in Radha temple and Prabhupada's situation in he didn't know where he was going to stay. When you are young, you are adventurous, then you can do things like that. I did it. It was fun. Just plunge into uncertainty. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Every morning, every day came in a different way. It's fun, but Prabhupada didn't go there for that. He went there with a mission. So why did it do that? That's the, that is the most important driving factor behind a preacher's preaching attitude. Maharaj, and how important is it like um, the like it's described that also a first-class devotee, he is able to quote from scripture. Um, he is able to defend Krishna consciousness, or from scripture always to quote. Yeah. So, um, how important is is that aspect for being? It's a matter of realization. It's a matter of realization. Because when you have that clear understanding of spiritual reality, nobody can defeat you. I mean, one may, you know, unnecessarily argue and, you know, do that, you know, not accept you. That's one thing. But at least, because you are not speaking from this platform, you are speaking from that platform. You know, like, because it is completely clear in your mind, nobody can defeat you. That's another thing. A pure devotee can never be defeated because of that. It is not that a pure devotee memorized the scripture so nicely. It's not that. That because he knows, remembers the scripture so nicely, that's why nobody can defeat him. No. It is not a matter of, you know, uh, accumulated knowledge. It is a matter of revealed realization. When you speak from your revealed realization, then everything becomes crystal clear. Mm. Thank you very much. Yeah, here's a question.
Thank you, Maharaj, for your wonderful association and the wonderful pastimes. Uh, Maharaj, uh, over the last couple of days, you, you have uh, narrated stories about various kings that uh, Krishna has come across, uh, or kings who have come across Krishna. Uh, some of them, like for example, Jarasam, who had a very first-hand experience of how powerful Krishna was, and he could not accept Krishna. And the other kings, who may have probably just heard of how powerful Krishna is, and they were willing to offer their orders to Krishna. So, what is it that, what is missing for Jarasam? Either is it something from that the other things carried from the previous life, or is it, uh, you know, what is missing, what is basically the, the crucial well, thing? There are two ways of looking at it. One way of looking at it is, you know, it's like a drama. They're playing a role, right? Yeah. They're just playing the role. Ultimately, Jarashan is a devotee. He's playing the role of a demon.